titled Fresh. Isn't it interesting what the simple click of the clock does for us? Just the simple click of the clock, one time every year, awakens multiplied millions of people all around the globe with energy and enthusiasm and excitement and opportunity. Isn't that incredible? I mean, it's like no other day in the world. I mean, people stay up and have parties and have fun and celebrate and reminisce and dream and wake up to a new world on January 1st. Today, we begin a series entitled Fresh, and with multiplied millions of people around the world today, this morning, experiencing uh, some hope and some awakening for fresh opportunities in this new year, we thought we would want to talk to you about a fresh start in this new year for not only us, but for many others that uh, we come in contact with. And, and I hope today will be an inside look at what a fresh start can look, for, can look like for those who have placed their hope and their trust in Jesus. At the Vineyard, we're all about experiencing the transforming love of Jesus. Our, our deepest prayer for every person we come in contact with is for them to have an experience of the transforming love of Jesus. No matter how far it is that we perceive they are away from God or no matter how close it appears to us that they are near to him we want everybody to experience the transforming love of Jesus and we give our lives and we give ourselves to ministry that creates space for new believers and followers of Jesus to experience this transforming love. So if you want to know anything about us at the Vineyard, this is one thing that's really essential that you know about us, is that we're all about experiencing the transforming love of Jesus and creating space for new believers and followers of Jesus to grow. And uh, that's the most important thing we would want you to know about us, because from that understanding, everything else we do flows out of that. Experiencing the transforming love of Jesus, creating space for new believers and followers of Jesus to grow. Can I just let you in on the first uh, thing about creating space for new believers? Uh, we're actively doing several things all at the same time to create space for new believers. So just let me give you an update on our, our new uh, campus and construction. And so if you want to pray with us and you want to pray about moving forward, pray for some dry days. <laughs> Uh, we're, we're stuck in a cycle of wet. And, and I know we need the rain, and I'm grateful for the rain, and I realize that uh, it's essential for life, but essential for building projects is dry weather. And so if you want to pray with us that the Lord will give us a few days of dry weather, 
then that will help us move forward in our uh, construction project. One thing we have learned is our detention pond works wonderfully well. It's, it's not even close to being full, but it's got a whole bunch of water in it because it's all been uh, reoriented to find its way back to that very large holding spot, and it's just functioning extremely well. So we're excited about the fact that it's working well. But if you want to pray with us, pray with us about that. If you want to pray further with us, pray with us that the building, which is si- simply actually secondary, it's not primary, it's really secondary, but that the building will allow us to send deeper roots into our community, which reflects the love of Jesus. And, and we're not waiting. We haven't waited for the past 17 years. We haven't waited for a new building. Uh, we've done lots of different things to send deeper roots into our community. And one of the ways we're asking God to give us insight into how roots are going deeper is in measuring the number of transformed lives, which means this, simply first-time followers of Jesus. Transform lives. There's a couple of ways we can experience transforming uh, love, and one of them is to to become a follower of Jesus if you've not been a follower of Jesus. And there's several things that follow after that, baptism and uh, growth and transformation and change and uh, and, and all kinds of good stuff. But if you want to get in on the ground floor for 2017, uh, would you begin praying with us, the staff and I, leadership, uh, we're asking that the Lord will give us 52 or more new believers for 2017. It's really simple math. One a week. One a week. And I am still basking in the glow. If you were with us at Christmas Eve in our first Christmas Eve service, I am still basking in the glow of the grace of God that was evident in one of our guests giving their life to follow Jesus. Isn't that awesome? So we're not going to count them for 2017. But that's the first fruits of 2017. And so, you know, so let me just tell you, uh, when people come to faith in Christ, we want to celebrate that. And, and here's what I want you to do. When people come to faith in Christ and they acknowledge it in a public profession on Sunday mornings, uh, I want the lackluster clapping to be robust. Because it's a party. It, it, the, the, the truth of the party is that all of heaven celebrates every time someone says yes to following Jesus. Because when someone says yes to following Jesus, they become a part of a new family, our family. And that's really, really good news. So if you want to pray with us uh, for the coming year, 52 or more, and we're going to keep you up to date about that. We're, you know, 52 or more. And, uh, and so if you want to pray with us about that, but we're, we're talking about ways to impact and transform and to experience the invitation of a fresh start in Jesus. And so to do that, over the course of uh, the next four weeks, uh, we're going to be taking a, book, uh, a look at the book of Colossians. And uh, Kurt and I, as we, as we plan our teaching, uh, we realized there's no way we can cover everything that's in Colossians. And so we're not even going to try that. So if you're expecting for us to cover everything that could ever be covered in the book of Colossians, that would take more than four weeks to do that. But we are going to hit some highlights, and today we want to talk about simply a a group of believers gathered in the city of Colossae that Paul writes us and tells us about. Interestingly enough, a lot of of theologians believe that Paul has not yet gone to Colossae, that Paul is imprisoned, but his dear friend and ministry partner Epaphras 
has gone to proclaim and declare the good news, and the good news gets back to Paul that people have responded to life in Jesus in Colossae. And so he's so excited about it that he writes them a letter. He's not even met them yet, but he writes them a letter because he wants to welcome them into this wonderful new family into which they have been born. And he also wants to come alongside them and help them with some challenges that they will face and are facing. And so the opening verses of Colossians introduce us to a community of people who have a fresh start. So let's take a look at the first uh, 13 or 14 verses of the book of Colossians. I'm reading from the New International Version. If you want to follow along, there's a listening sheet, a fill-in-the-blank sheet in your program. Grab that if you like and uh, begin uh, following along. If you have your Bible, open it up and uh, read along with me. And it begins like this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. Can you just receive that? It was intended for them, but it's equally intended for us. Just receive that. Grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason... Since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you, understanding that the Spirit gives life, so that you may live a life worthy and pleasing Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, great endurance, uh, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified, to sh qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. In the opening verses of Colossians, again, we're introduced to this community who's made a fresh start and today as we look at making a fresh start this year I think there are a few things that we can learn from the community of faith in Colossae and it seems to me that the first thing that we can observe is that the community of Colossae is a community who has said yes to the invitation of Jesus the same is true for us, I believe, 
And that's this. If we're going to be a people who make a fresh start this year, we must be a people who say yes to the invitation of Jesus. If you look at verses 4 through 6, you can see the overview, and the, the overview is simply this. The overview is that the good news of the gospel has come in truth, in fullness. The good news of the gospel is always coming in truth and in fullness when Jesus is presented as Lord. When Jesus is presented as King, uh, that news is always extremely good news. And it says, it says that as Epaphras tells them of the good news that is discovered in Jesus, there's a resonance of truth. And he says there's also not only a resonance of truth to which they responded, but they have received this resonance of truth with great grace. Do you, do you get it? When they heard the good news about Jesus and all that he had done, they heard it as an invitation. They didn't resist or push away from it, but they leaned forward to hear what the Father had made known in Jesus. And as they leaned forward, their lives were transformed. And the evidence of their transformation was an evidence of love. See, saying yes to the invitation of Jesus is responding to the invitation of love. And responding to the invitation of love begins to transform us from the inside out. And being a recipient of love transforms us in being transmitters of love. You see, for us to make fresh starts, we have to be those who say yes to the invitation of Jesus. Now, this is at, at the point where I want to say simply, Meeting Jesus and saying yes to Jesus is the key to an abundant life. Just, just make that simple. Meeting Jesus and saying yes to Jesus is the key to an abundant life. Doesn't mean you won't have challenges anymore. But it does mean that there's a new hope and a new purpose and a new reason for living. A purpose greater than yourself. Love that begets love. Love that promotes love. Love that transforms us from the inside. Love that makes us more loving, more kind, more patient, more long-suffering. Love that is good for us. Love that allows us to see others differently. Love that opens our hearts to receive more. You, you see, saying yes to Jesus transforms us from the inside out. And so, this is, the, this is the, the invitation to every individual alive today on planet Earth. And the invitation is simply this. Saying yes to Jesus, meeting Him, will change your life dramatically. And for a real fresh start, there's no better place to begin than simply saying yes to Jesus. Now, I... Let me just, here's how my head works. As I was thinking about this, I, I got to this point in developing the talk, and I thought, well, this is what the response is. Yeah, 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 Alan, I hear you, but I've already done that. 
If you're a follower of Jesus, awesome. I am so glad you're a follower of Jesus. I am so glad you have said yes to the invitation of Jesus. That is awesome. But uh, may I remind you of the founding uh, father of the vineyard, John Wimber, one of his favorite sayings? He, he would say it this way, quoting John, the way in is the way on. The way in is the way on. And, and what he meant by that is the way that we come into this new family is the way we navigate our way forward in this new family. And the way we come into this new family is by simply saying yes to the invitation of Jesus. God has done for me in Christ what I cannot do for myself. No merit, no earning, abundant grace, undeserved merit, favor with God, experiencing His love. And that's the life of Jesus. He just says, you see me, you see the Father, you know me, you know the Father, follow me, follow him, say yes to his invitation, say yes to his love, and we become part of this new family. So if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, when you became a follower of Jesus, you said yes, and for you to continue to be a follower of Jesus requires multiple yeses. Once was not enough. The ongoing life of a devoted follower of Jesus is simply summed up in these two words. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. It's as simple and as difficult as that. Because sometimes internally I scream, no, 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 no. But for me to make ongoing fresh starts, for me to continue to be green and growing, the demand on my life is simply to say yes to the invitation of Jesus. First time I ever did that, I was about seven years old. It was some vacation Bible school. My mother sent me down to the end of the street to a good Baptist church simply to go to vacation Bible school so I would get out from under her feet. I think. And I knew she hoped it would do me some good as well, but she didn't realize the good it was going to do me. She didn't realize that I was going to hear the gospel story. She didn't realize I was going to hear a story that I had heard before, but on this particular occasion, when I heard it, it was as though I was hearing it for the very first time. And on that telling of the story of Jesus' love, I knew it included me, and I knew there was an invitation for me. And on that day, I said yes to Jesus. I came home and my mom and dad were so excited. But you know what excited them more after that? That I continued to say yes to Jesus. And I know what excites the Father is not that we say yes to him on one occasion, but that we continually say yes to him. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you have started an incredible journey. And this green, growing, fresh start for today and for this new year and for the rest of your life will always be summed up in these two words, yes, Lord. And sometimes it's a wrestling match to get there. I, I wish it weren't, but it is. But wrestle away. Ask, inquire, uh, search, 
uh, don't be afraid to hold back any, any thoughts that you have because the Father can take them all and so can Jesus and so can the Spirit. There's no question you can ask that turns them away, but that rather they lean into so that you can move yourself forward saying yes to their good and perfect will, which is always for our good and through us the good of others. But perhaps you're here today and you've never said yes to the invitation of Jesus' love. Would you help me, would you help re- remind me, uh, because I, I, this, I've thought about this a lot. And uh, I want you to call me on it every time I say, make a decision to follow Jesus. I, I, I know it's a decision, but... I really think it's framed a whole lot better in saying yes to the invitation of Jesus' love. I, I recognize it's semantics. But the reason it's, semant- it's important to me is, is um, you just didn't wake up one day and decide to follow Jesus. If you said yes to Jesus' love, it's because you've experienced his wooing. You've experienced his loving invitation You've experienced his awakening, and you just didn't awaken one morning and say, I'm going to follow Jesus. No, 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 no. No. Theologically, it's called prevenient grace. The grace that's at work in us before we even know it's at work in us. And so we are never the initiators. We're always the respondents. And I love that saying yes to the invitation of Jesus accurately reflects what my theology believes, which is simply this. God is making his name known to all people everywhere. And multiplied millions of them are saying yes to the invitation. And so when we talk about being followers of Jesus, I want us to say, would you be willing to say yes to the invitation of Jesus' love to a new family, to a new life, to a fresh start, to transforming love? And so if you're not a follower of Jesus today, here's what I already know is true. God is at work in your life already. And the work he's doing is simply this. The work he's doing is declaring the great love he has for you and me. My favorite two verses in Scripture, John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That, my friends, is an invitation to love. And so today, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to invite you to say yes to Jesus' invitation to follow him. Perhaps that you've heard that message a lot in your life, and perhaps you're hearing it again today, but perhaps you're hearing it with new ears and a new heart. And if that is awakening your desire to respond to Jesus and say yes to him, 
I would say to you, don't leave today without doing that. Don't leave today without doing that. For those who are not yet followers of Jesus and for those who are followers of Jesus, saying yes to the invitation of Jesus is summarized well in this little pamphlet. The pamphlet is titled Essential Practices of the Vineyard Movement, EDLD, Do It Again. And uh, ED stands for Evangelism, Discipleship, Leadership, and Diversity. And uh, this is a, a, a little pamphlet that's available on the table for you today between the community banner and the serving banner. And uh, if you'd like to just read more about that, I, I would just recommend this to everybody. Uh, just a, a great pamphlet that would help you understand better about who we are and what we're trying to do and what we're committed to, what, how, how we've evolved to the uh, experiencing the transforming love of Jesus, creating space for new believers and followers of Jesus is rooted in this and grounded in this. It's, it's who we are in the vineyard. It's who we are in Pearland. And so if you want to grab that, there's plenty of those um, pamphlets available today. And, and take them all um, because we can always get more. I know how it works. You go over there and there's two or three left and you say, ah, I don't want to take the last one. Take it. Take it. We, we know where to get more. And uh, we'll get some more. So if, you, if you'd like one of those, take it before you leave today. I wanted to reference that because a lot of our thinking about who we are and what we're doing and where we're going has been informed and inspired by our national director, Phil Strout. Uh, and, uh, and there's uh, some really good information from Phil but here, here's a quote that is um, the fruit, um, observable fruit of saying yes to the invitation of Jesus. And this is the good news. This is the good news of Jesus. And it's, this is the quote. It's going to come up on the screen behind you. There's a slide there. And it says this, In a world that is scarred by sin, guilt, shame, and confusion, there's no better news than the news that Jesus is king that he's setting everything right, forgiving sin and healing souls. In a world that's scarred by sin, guilt, shame, and confusion, there's no better news than the news that Jesus is king, that he's setting everything right, forgiving sin and healing souls. That's what happens in the lives of those who say yes to the invitation of Jesus. Jesus begins restoring. Jesus begins making things right. Do, does everything change overnight? No. No. But the restorative work of Jesus begins to transform us. The, 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 the healing work of Jesus begins to awaken us. And when that begins to happen within us, then the very next thing is simply this, and, and I'm going to finish the last three things really quickly, okay? So take a deep breath. And simply, as we experience Jesus making things right, as we experience the authority and the, king, uh, the kingship of Jesus, as we experience the forgiveness of sin, as we experience the healing of our souls, as we experience the life that Jesus brings to us, we must be those who let our lives be living proof of the transforming love of Jesus. 
We have to be those who let our lives be living proof of the transforming love of Jesus. Uh, again, going back to verses 4 through 6, the, the, the community of faith in Colossae, Paul's saying to them, we've heard about your faith and the love you have for all of God's people, the faith and love that springs up from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven, which we've already had, heard in the true message of the gospel. And then he goes on to say that it's come to you in the same way the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world just as it's been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You, you get it? They're living their lives out loud. They're living their lives out loud, which simply means this. They're loving others well. I'm going to date myself, but I'm going to do it nonetheless because you already figured out I'm not a spring chicken. Some of you will remember this old song. Some of you will have to go Google it uh, to discover its origins. But uh, do you remember this old song? If You don't have to. I won't out you. Just smile. Nobody else will know you're smiling, but I can see you. Remember this old song? What the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little of. Now, if you sang along with that, you just gave yourself away. Can I just tell you in the simplicity of that song, there's a truth that's deeper than we can ever imagine. In the simplicity of that song, there is a truth deeper than we can ever imagine. And that is simply this. Love is the answer. In a world filled with strife, in a world filled with hate, in a world filled with confusion, in a world filled with transition, and in a world, let me just summarize all of that with one word, in a world filled and overwhelmed by fear, love is the answer. Love is the answer. And there are people who live next door to you and me and across the street from you and me and go to the same stores as you and I, who work in the same office complex as we do, who are desperate to know the transforming love of Jesus. And I don't know if it's ever occurred to you or not, but it's possible, it's possible that you are key a key ingredient to them being able to experience up close and personally, firsthand, the love of Jesus if you and I simply will just let our lives be living proof. You can respond to this. If you're a follower of Jesus, has God done anything good for you? Okay, uh, so don't make anything up. God doesn't need our help. Don't make it up. But if it is true, and you've experienced it, then just share it with somebody else. That's your living proof. That's what being a witness is. Matter of fact, tamper with witnesses and you get thrown in jail. It's called witness tampering. You know, it's against the law. You can't do it. In the kingdom of God, it's not good to tamper with witnesses. You just let them tell their story where they've experienced the transforming love of Jesus. And if we live our lives out loud, 
If we just shared the stuff that God's doing for us and in us already, we become beacons of light and hope and love, and we become evidence for others who are not yet followers of Jesus. And for us to be transformed, for us to be transformed, we have to say yes to Jesus, but we can't keep it to ourselves because the transforming love of Jesus compels us to live our lives as living proof of his transforming love. And so we talk about here at the Vineyard, we talk about the fact, and you'll hear more about this later in the year, we talk about the fact that our desire is for everybody to be a disciple. Uh, you, and just throw a new thing, I won't touch on it now. Uh, but um, we're going to expand your idea of discipleship because discipleship begins before conversion. Discipleship begins before conversion. So, so everybody should be a disciple. Once you're a follower of Jesus, then, then you have uh, said yes to his transforming love, his invitation then you begin to experience this transforming love in new and real and powerful ways, and you begin to grow in this love. And disciples become simply those who are living proof, and they become disciple-makers. And then disciple-makers become people who strate think strategically about creating space. And so we then talk about creating disciple-making environments for followers of Jesus, new believers, and followers of Jesus to grow. And, and you can just continue the progression. Disciple, disciple-maker, disciple-making environments, and overseers of disciple-making environments. See, see, that's just sort of the simplistic way to look at what the church is doing. We're all disciples. We're all disciple-makers. We can be involved in disciple-making environments, and sometimes uh, we raise ourselves in leadership, and we have the privilege of overseeing disciple-making environments. But this is the work that God is doing. And so evangelism and discipleship simply are in action is this helping someone grow toward god we make it way too complicated evangelism and discipleship simply is helping someone grow toward god can i suggest the best way to do that is just live your life out loud just to live your life out loud we have never lived in an environment more rich and more ripe and more ready for people individually to tell their stories. The postmodern world is ripe for storytelling. Like, everybody has a story. Just listen to, listen to the buzz in the media. The, the, the dominant theme today, no matter where you listen, is simply this. Tell your story. I, I mean, it can be summarized with that simple statement. And it includes us. The environment is ripe for us to tell our stories, for us to be living proof. Not obnoxiously. Listen, everybody has a shape. All of you are made differently. So telling your story will look as different as every person in this room. Just be who you are. And tell other people how you are experiencing the transforming love of Jesus. I told you I was going to finish really quickly. I am. I'm going to keep my promise. Because the next two are simply things that happen as we say yes to Jesus. It, 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 they, they just follow. They're sequential. They follow. If you say yes to Jesus, and if you 
Let your life be living proof of his transforming love. Here's what I know follows. Here's what I know happens. This happens like, like almost without energy, almost without effort. If you give the, say yes to Jesus, live your life out loud, then these next two things follow. Just almost with no, with no energy or no thought. They just follow. And it's simply this. When we say yes to Jesus and when we live our lives out loud, we are absolutely committing ourselves to growth. We're just committing ourselves to growth. That, that's just the observable life that happens in us. So say yes to Jesus, live your life out loud, and you, by, by doing those two things, you've committed yourself to grow. You, you will say yes to Jesus. That saying yes to Jesus will create hunger in you, saying hunger, that, that hunger will create uh, opportunities for you to pray, for you to worship, for you to study, for you to engage, for, for you to share your life with others. It's just the way it works. You say yes to Jesus. Jesus is going to invite you to join him in his ministry. See, see, we don't need a ministry. We don't need, we don't need a ministry. We need to join Jesus in his ministry, what he's already doing. We don't need a new one. We just need to do what he's doing. Saying yes to him, living our lives out loud, commits us to growing, commits us to changing, commits us to transforming, commits us to being green and vibrant and alive. So we're committed to growth. And it's cyclical. So say yes to the invitation of Jesus. Live our lives out loud. Experiencing the transforming love of Jesus. It commits us to a growth pattern, and then it brings us back to the results. And the results are simply this. It's the results of the very last verse that I read today in this passage, and we're going to go there right now. It's, uh, it's, it's, we, go to the next slide for me. We rejoice in the good work of the Father. You see, this transforming love brings us back to thanksgiving. And this is what Paul says the good work of the Father is in the lives of those at Colossae. He says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have the forgiveness of sins. As Paul wrote that, he had a fresh start in mind. Most theologians would agree that as Paul wrote that verse right there, he's simply thinking about the children of Israel's exodus out of Egypt. Somebody just holler out at me, where were they going when they left Egypt? The promised land. And what did the promised land offer to them? A fresh start. You see, he's saying yes to the invitation of Jesus living our lives out loud, commits us to growth. And as we look at the work that God does in us, it brings back to us to celebrate the good work of the Father in us, for it is He who has promised and not we ourselves. It is He who is faithful and not we ourselves. It is He who is at work and not we ourselves. It is He who has done for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And it always brings us back with gratitude before the Father, for it is His good work done in and through us in Jesus. He has brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, and we have been redeemed sin has been forgiven and the church says hallelujah the church didn't say hallelujah but the church should say 
Hallelujah. I, I recognize I'm picking on you. I, I know we're not that kind of church. We're not a responsive church like that. So my feelings aren't hurt, and I know that it means nothing with how you feel about what I just said. It's true nonetheless that the church, having been redeemed through the good work of the Father, has been brought into a kingdom of glorious light in the Son. Our sin is forgiven. And we have been repaired and healed and restored. And we're being repaired and healed and restored so that we can be a people of promise. And so that every day we awaken, not simply on this day, but every day of every year that we have breath in this body, we awaken and it is an opportunity for us to have a fresh start.